more than 100 unique styles of beer, each with their own set of ingredients, process, guidelines, history, and experience. If you're a beer lover, an industry leader, or somewhere in between, a better knowledge of beer style will improve your life and your work. Welcome to A Sense of Beer Style, essential beer style training for those who want to lead in food and beverage. I'm Julia Herz. And I'm Jeremy Storton. We're advanced Cicerones, beer judges, home brewers, and we're excited to guide you through the vast and wonderful world of beer styles. Hello, everyone. Welcome to a very special episode of Sense of Beer Style. Yes, they're all special. Yes, they're all great. And we are grateful for you joining us, whether you're watching or listening, for Imperial Stout. Wow. Right? We are, we are in Imperial Stout land, Jeremy, and I can't wait to sip and talk. Um, and, you know, this is a style of beer that because of the more uh, advanced alcohol levels, we really want to get people to know it because not as many people are busy drinking Imperial Stout. You know, it, it was inspired by an English style. Then um, Americans took it uh, to a different place. And basically it is intensely flavored, more complex, more strong. Uh, roast and burnt are, are there, but not too, too acrid or burnt flavors. Uh, you have some really beautiful malt notes as kind of the centerpiece for this style with, frankly, some warming your your tummy or your belly type of notes from the ethanol. And it's an ale that that really is, is on the map for um, many, many reasons. It's got a big steeped history, right? Way back to the 1700s. Oh, yeah. English style porters, which inspired other styles as well, were really kind of the beginning of this. Um, the Russian Imperial Court comes into mix when you read the style guidelines. Catherine the Great. Yep, who wanted a stout that was stronger and apparently was very thirsty, and 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 things like this were also easier to ship because they are stronger beers, um, and they are um, ones that actually have some hops too. So we'll talk all about that um, for sure. But let's have Jeremy ground us while I open my beer, my Imperial Stout, on the ingredients if you're going to either be tasting and describing this or brewing it. Yeah, and 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 full disclosure, I've never brewed one of these myself. Uh, but coming from the uh, 2021 BJCP uh, guidelines, we're talking. You know, we always have our base malt. That, that would be we're talking about American Imperial Stout. So, uh, so we're talking about a pale malt, and and, and frankly, it doesn't have to be American. It could be a two row, could be a, a British, uh, whichever. But we are going to use those roasted malts because we want that flavor. We want that color. Um, they can even use some flaked adjuncts, which, uh, you know, Julie and I conferred before, you know, I, I assume they're going to use some, uh, oats for a little bit of a uh, character and a little bit of body. They're going to maybe use some flaked, uh, corn for a little bit of sugar to get that alcohol up, but they are going to use some adjuncts to get these alcohol levels. They are going to add some, uh, some different things to help get the ABV where it's finally going to rest. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, uh, we can use American or English le uh, yeast and American or English hops. This one, this beer style doesn't really have a set firm home. Uh, so we just call it Imperial Stout. It's not really American. It's not really British anymore. It's not even, uh, uh Russian. The, 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 the story of this traveling the world and becoming different versions of itself is just an astounding story. So this is just effectively Imperial Stout. Uh, so those are the ingredients. Uh, let's talk about the appearance since you just poured yours. I finally got to sip a beer and um, <laughs> it's three minutes into the show. I'm very grateful. 
And in seeing what I've just poured, uh, despite the alcohol volume of my commercial example, which we'll talk about that example later when we talk commercial examples, it's got a beautiful collar of foam. And for a beer that this is much alcohol, um, that's pretty impressive. You know, the, the style guidelines call for that. The style guidelines say, quote unquote, look at Jeremy's, wow, generally has a well-formed um, head or collar of foam. That's a big deal. Um, that means the carbonation is volatizing out of the glass and giving us um, even more uh, essence of aromatics. So I love that I'm seeing a tan collar of foam. Tan collar of foam often would indicate ingredients such as unroasted malted barley, uh, unroasted malt, which is like basically roasted barley. And so we probably have that in the mix. And so opaque is where it can go, uh, reddish brown to uh, jet black. Mine's not jet black, a um, little bit of condensation on the glass. So you're going to see this kind of dark brown to really um, jet black type of color. And then um, you might see some legs on the glass because of the higher alcohol. And I'm trying to elicit that as I pour it or, or spin it. Um, but it's a beautifully inviting beer, without a doubt. Yeah, and uh, before we get into Roma, one of the things I've mentioned in uh, previous style casts is uh, oftentimes alcohol and foam don't get along. This beer is a great example of where they actually do get along, and there's plenty of alcohol in this beer, and there's plenty of foam as well. So it's not it's not a rule that you can hang your hat on. Uh, it's it's just a a wonderful guideline that will steer you in the right direction more often than not. Uh, when we talk about aroma. When you, uh, when you have this beer, I want you to think rich and complex. And, you know, when we think about those words, rich and complex, what does that really mean? It means there's a lot going on where it's going to engage your brain. It's going to engage your thought process. It's going to keep you coming back for more because it's a mystery. Every time you smell the beer, it's a mystery. Ooh, what's that? Ooh, there's something new. That is engaging. This, this is a thinking person's beer. And I love that about this. This is, this is, uh, you know, the work for me, the work week is done on a Friday night. I, I want to have something to kind of celebrate the end of a week, but I still want to engage my brain. This is that beer for me. Uh, we can expect a low to a medium high roast. What a range. Uh, that seems uh, just kind of safety with, you know, a shotgun blast with, you know, Hey, low to medium high, but it doesn't have to be uh, harsh and roasty. It can be soft and roasty as well. The flavors we're going to get out of this are coffee. What kind of coffee? It could be French roast. It could be cold brew. It could be espresso. Uh, I'm going to urge you to, when you taste this, to name what kind of coffee it is. What does it remind you of? Um, if it, uh, you know, I also get dark chocolate out of this. What kind of dark chocolate? Is it that sweet Hershey stuff or is that complex uh, Belgian stuff that, or the uh, stuff that's a little bit more bitter with cacao in it? Uh, really put a name on this. Uh, we can get dark caramel. We can get black licorice. What a wonderful flavor to get out of that black licorice or anise, or just some really complex herbal flavors out of this. Uh, one flavor that's listed in the BJCP guidelines. Thank goodness. I've never experienced that before, but you can also get tar <laughs> out of this. I, I hope we don't get tar out of these beers, but it does, it does lead to some other like uh, maybe some age, maybe some uh, yeast autolysis where kind of reminiscent of tar, maybe reminiscent of of like uh, fresh tires in a tire store. That is not typical. That is not what we want. That is a, uh, an off flavor. That is a problem. Uh, what we want this to be is just nothing but wonderful. Uh, we can get a little bit of burnt flavor out of that. We talked in a previous style cast about American Stout where that is 
kind of a uh, provocative and an inviting flavor at the same time. And it's just really fun. Uh, so we have that wonderful dichotomy there. Uh, the esters can be low to medium high. So you can get this dark dried fruit uh, character coming through as well. And it's just a really interesting thing yet again, to make it even more, uh, more complex and richer. The hop variety could be any hops these days. Uh, within the BJCB guidelines, you know, we can use new world hops, old world hops, uh, typically American or, or English, but we can expect a very low to a high hop character. Uh, and if alcohol is, is there, uh, well, I'm sorry, alcohol will be there, but if you get a strong flavor, uh, or excuse me, a strong aroma of alcohol, it should be smooth. It should be inviting. It should be like, Hey, we're going to have a good time, but it's going to be cool. That's what, that's the experience you should get from these aromas. Um, so let's talk about the flavor this, which is even more important, I think. Yeah, and you beautifully set it up, Jeremy. What what great descriptors and and so inviting. If you're a a, a server, um, a beverage buyer, a cicerone in whatever capacity, the way Jeremy just presented that is so inviting. And so you would use what he said to describe pretty much that what all carries over also to in the flavor. But you're not going to get, and he says, you know, a, a higher um, hot profile. The bitterness is not going to uh, be elicited in the aroma. But you're going to get medium to high, certainly aggressive bitterness that's going to balance some of the residual sugar and um, really bring home, um, I think, and bring into the mix some of the flavor of the hops that are used. And very commonly, American hops might be used in these. I think that the maddening part of the style descriptors, and again, you just got to study, study, study. Try, 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 and then you will have a good sense of the spectrum. But the flavor says the palate and finish can be fairly dry to moderately sweet. Oh my gosh, that's so maddening. And when we talk vital statistics, I think it's going to show you it's not supposed to be fairly dry because the vitals show you what a high residual sugar um, might exist or high final gravity in Play-Doh. But, you know, keep in mind that there's a range there. I'm also going to say that in the flavor, this is a beer that can age. Let's talk about that, oh, yeah. right? Oh, Cellaring yeah. beers is something that is not just this like aside. People have, I've been in some of the most advanced beer cellars that are, uh, you know, certain copper mines and, and iron mines and, you know, mines in the mountains of Colorado where people are cellaring beers at a certain temperature. And that advanced age and, and some of that oxidative uh, aspects that during the bottling or packaging will bring this beer to a more um, settled place. It will it will calm down some of the more aggressive bitterness. The, uh, the, the malt will go uh, to more muted and not as acrid, right? you will get maybe some sherry notes over time if you really have a super aged version of this. So aging these beer styles is great. And so when you're tasting it, you want to keep in mind, if you're blind presented this, say you're sitting for Cicerone or beer judge certification program test, think about the fact that age will advance styles and then that adds to the spectrum of flavor. It's a really important um, aspect to, to keep in mind. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, the the flavors are complex, malt-driven. Uh, you might get low, low, low level of esters from the ale yeast, but it's hard to compete with the malt flavors. You're going to definitely get that bitterness range that I talked about. Um, and then that aftertaste is really mostly bitterness and roast for me, and and then some alcohol warmth, right? Some ethanol that's that's lingering. But I really, I think this is an incredible style, and it's just so fun to talk about and taste. Yeah. And I'm so glad you brought up aging. When we talk about aging beers like this, they change. They change oftentimes for the better, not for the worse, like most other styles do. But we're talking like 
uh, port flavors, a sherry flavors, all these things that just make you just add to that richness, add to that complexity and just make you think and remember. And, and these, these are just beautiful. Uh, the, the third leg of the flavor uh, stool is mouthfeel. And, and this beer, typically we're going to expect a full to a very full body. I can't wait for you to talk about the, the gravities because we're going to see that this is a big beer. The texture should just be like velvet. It should just be smooth. It should be desirable. It should be like that fabric. You just want to rub your hand on back and forth because it feels so good. That's the texture that this beer should have. The alcohol is going to be there. It's going to, it's going to have a warmth to it, but it should always be smooth and pleasant. It should never be harsh. If it's harsh, it's, it's either poorly brewed or it's turned and it's just, it's not a good example. Uh, the carbonation could be low to medium. This uh, carbonation is just a secondary uh, aspect to everything else that's going on. We don't want too much prickle to make that roast and make that alcohol too aggressive. So uh, that will just kind of keep it fairly tame. That's mouthfeel. Let's talk about style comparison. Style comparison's pretty easy and straightforward. You could go all sorts of places of just pick dark beers and try, but the more brother-sister kind of really companion styles are darker and more roasty than barley wines. So you could serve yourself a English or an American-style barley wine and this imperial stout and then force people to say which type of stout. That's an easier exercise, but definitely put it with, you know, a broad range of lower gravity stouts. And you're going to then, I think, start to really dial in with the added, you know, body and weight and ethanol will tip the scales for you to more easily be able to say, this is an imperial stout that you're tasting. Yeah, perfect. Um, with with the new uh, 2021 BJC, BJCP guidelines, they've actually broken this out to, uh, for commercial examples, the American versions and English versions. And there's a lot of them. So I'm going to uh, rattle through them pretty quickly. So f- please forgive me. But number one, I got to give a shout out to North Coast and Old Rasputin, the classic. Um, get this, drink it, taste it, remember it. It's beautiful. And cellar it too. And cellar it. Uh, Age it. Yeah. And so a uh, great divide, uh, the Yeti Imperial Stout, Sierra Nevada, uh, the Narwhal is another classic example, the Narwhal Imperial Stout, uh, Bell's Expedition, another classic has been around for a long time and Oscar Blues 1050. Uh, when we get to the English versions, which are going to be a little bit more slanted toward malt and less, less toward uh, the roast and, and bitterness. We're talking that uh, two, uh, we're looking at the two SP uh, brewing company, the, uh, the Russian uh, courage, Imperial Russian stout, uh, Le Coq Imperial extra double stout, Sam Smith. We all know Sam Smith, Imperial stout and Thornbridge, St. Petersburg. Those are the classic examples listed, but there's plenty out there. There's plenty of uh, brewers, uh, craft brewers all around that will brew something like this, particularly in wintertime. So keep an eye out for that. Uh, I have a wintertime Oscar Blues 1050 story that I can't help but not speak in. So I live in Lyons, Colorado, out the window over my left shoulder. If you're watching us, like five minute golf cart ride is the original Oscar Blues and Lyons. Mm. And we lived here and still do. But when they released 1050, we were here and it was a big release party at the brewery. At the time, my husband and I had two young children, one's newborn and one's a toddler. So I was not in the headspace to go out to the 1050 Imperial Stout release party, but my husband sure was. He needed out of the house in a break, right? So he goes, it's a cold winter night, which is what's just triggered it, Jeremy. So it's perfect. And at the end of the day, he was smart and he's like, honey, 
I have had this amazing beer. I've had several. I am not good to drive. Will you come pick me up? And I had to do the math on how cold is it for him to sit in that car, and it was sub-degree winter Colorado conditions for more than an hour, while I got all my world together and the kids aligned so I could throw them in the car at 11 o'clock at night on a Saturday and drive and pick them up. Um, but we did it because A, he was smart because these do have bigger gravity um, alcohol levels. And B, he was at the release party for Oscar Blues 1050. Of course, he deserves a ride home. So super fun one. And that beer has just been a mainstay ever since. They still produce it day in and day out. Well, if I could speak on Fathers Everywhere, bless you, bless you, bless you. Yeah. <laughs> um, so now let's talk about Vital Stats. So vital statistics, we always cover from the 2021 Beer Judge Certification Program guidelines. Um, original gravity, 1075 to, to 1115. Wow, that's some indication that it's going to be a bigger beer. And then final gravity, 1018 to 1030. That is a huge range and a big deal. And then final you know, gravity for Play-Doh, and I'm looking at the uh, Brewers Association guidelines when Jeremy and I do that, and they don't always sync up exactly with BJCP yeah. guidelines, but Play-Doh, 5.1 to 7.6. So a, a, a big final gravity. And then IBU or International Bitterness Units is going to be 50 to 90. You are starting at very perceptible levels for hops and bitterness. Anything above 50 is going to be more aggressive. You're getting up to 90 and it's beyond perceptible levels, but super bitter um, from the hops. And then also remember those roasted malts are going to bring some acrid or bitterness to the mix. Um, and then standard reference method or the color is 30 to 40. So again, dark brown to black, or if we're looking at European Brewing Convention, we're looking at 80 plus EBC. And so the ABV is really what aligns this beer in people's headspace on, am I going to drink one or not? 8 to 12% by volume um, or alcohol by weight is going to be 5.5 to 9.5. I'm drinking today from out the other window, 20 minutes, left-hand brewing companies wake up dead. And this is such a beautiful example. They use rolled oats in it, by the way, which gets at some of those adjuncts that Jeremy was talking about. Mm -hmm. And Wake Up Dead is clocking in, oh boy, I had it, at 10.2%. Um, See the little uh, skull in the 10.2%? Oh, yeah. That's a that's an indicator of this is a big beer in a 12-ounce bottle and now in my glass that I'm going to have another sip of in about T minus two seconds. And so, you know, you want to pay attention to the vital stacks on this and not just for learning and beer studies, but because when you intake it, you want to be able to note the residual sugar, the the more aggressive bitterness, the higher alcohol. So there, there's your stats, yeah. super fun to share. And and now what glass and temperature would we want to yeah. have this well, in? Real quick, I'll stall while you sip. What you mentioned something about the IBUs going up to ninety, that which is just as big. But I, I want everyone to understand. If you don't already know this, understand that when you get to those higher IBUs, that doesn't mean it it's going to just wreck your palate. Most often, it it's actually even more drinkable the higher the IBUs are because they have to add the malt to balance all that out to get that alcohol. Uh, and so I find those double IPAs, those imperial stouts they're usually extremely well balanced. They're just big and bold. And, and so if you see those IBUs that are higher, 80, 90, 100, don't be intimidated. Try it anyway. When we're talking about glassware, these are strong beers. Uh, we need to drink them uh, trepidatiously. And so uh, I'm not going to put this in a pint. I'm not going to put this in a no-nick. I don't want that much beer because that's going to end my night stat. What I do want is a 10-ounce pour. 
and I want this personally, I want this in a snifter or something like that because I want to swirl it. I want to think about it. Um, I even want a, a, just a little bit of a stem because I can hold it by the stem. If you're watching, I can hold it by the stem because it's the perfect temperature, or I can hold it by the bowl and warm it up as I'm moving along. And this is the perfect glass for this kind of beer. Temperature wise, uh, if it comes out of the fridge, I'm going to hold it in my hand. I'm going to let it sit out on the counter for probably a good 15, 20 minutes before I crack it open and really dive in. Uh, if it's still too cold, I'm going to warm it up. I want this closer closer to about 50 degrees Fahrenheit or 10 degrees Celsius. This is where this is really going to open up. Um, but let's talk about pairing. That's the best part. Yeah. And I'm going to go to the easy cheat. I, I want it with an aged steak, right? That's going to have yeah, some umami. Yeah, yeah. That's going to have some of that char. That's going to have some of that advanced uh, aged flavors. I want this with a portobello mushroom, same kind of concept, mm -hmm. right? Portobello mushrooms. And I'm just, I'm just like thinking umami and, and the sense of this beer. And as you could age it and drink it fresh, don't let it sit there, but get a couple extra bottles or cases and age it. Um, I wanted to help that umami along and, and marry with some of those kind of almost going to soy sauce flavors that you're going to have on top of that portobello or, or steak or Worcestershire sauce in whatever you're drizzling that on. This, this would go fantastic with it. Um, you know, I also want it with some darker fruits, some dried dates or um, figs would be lovely, right? Maybe a charcuterie tray with really some aged advanced cheeses, sharp, 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 heavy, dense cheddars and the like. And then those darker, you know, aged fruits that are pitted and are not pitted and you're eating them one at a time. Um, I, I just I think that would be a lovely combination. Yeah. And I I think that would, all of that sounds amazing. The only thing I would add is with beers like this, we talk about, oh, stouts and chocolate are wonderful. Well, be careful because we talk about the cancellation effect uh, sometimes. And so when sweet cancels sweet, uh, when you pair a beer like this with something chocolate cakey like that, you can end up with a, a dud um, or as Julia calls it, a train wreck. And, and that's why, because you're having this interaction where all the sweetness just goes out and you're left with all the, the rest of it, nothing to balance it. Um, so be careful when, when you pair with this, uh, that sweet and savory, maybe even a little bit of smoke would be wonderful with this. For me, I would love to, I really don't want this with dinner. I want this with dessert at the end of the night, watching a movie or listening to some jazz in the background. I want some macaroons, uh, some French like macaroons it. or even some coconut macaroon, you know, or chocolate. The, yeah, both uh, that would be wonderful. Chocolate and, and macaroons would be great. Absolutely. And being half British, I got to give a shout out. I would drink this all day long if I could with bread pudding. That would be fantastic, especially if it's barrel aged. Well done. Thirsty and hungry as always. <laughs> uh, and Jeremy, really, thank you so much. Thank you for listening and watching Sense of Beer Style. We are your trusted guides and um, cohorts in this journey. And I think that it has been an incredible experience to talk about this beer style. And we hope you have many and, and listen and watch many, many times too. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you for listening to A Sense of Beer Style, the essential beer style training for those who want to lead in food and beverage. With advanced Cicerones, me, Julia, and me, Jeremy. Tune into the next episode as we continue exploring the world of beer styles and what to make of them. We encourage you to listen to the prepisodes to build your foundation and better understand beer styles. And before the next episode, I'd like to ask you to review the show and let us know what you'd like featured in upcoming episodes. Until next time, here's to you and your sense of beer style. Thank you for listening. Cheers. Cheers.